Hi. Ciao. This is Giuseppe Camuncoli, a.k.a. Camo from Italy, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. In Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Hiya, Dan. I'm Mark Giannacchio. I'm the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Well, howdy, uh, Los Angeles Mark, the real <laughs> Mark. I haven't seen you in 100 episodes or so. Is, is, is this Los Angeles Mark, or is this the deranged, bearded version of Mark who lives like in the middle of Missouri somewhere? Well, now I'm not really sure. The, <laughs> does, does the bearded Mark have like the mark of Mark that he puts the, on people? I have the mark of Maine. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. I, well, know. <laughs> I thought Mark of Mark was clever enough of a setup, Mark. Well, I, I made it unclever. So there you go. All right. Well, way to undo my joke. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for the 18th episode of our coverage of volume four of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Well, Dan, for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 18 by Dan Slott and R.B. Silva, then respond to your comments and emails, voicemails, etc., etc., and then talk about all the spider news that's fit to print because uh, we're good like that. Well, Mark, I don't know if I can trust you or not, but uh, you know, if if you are the LA Mark, the uh, the non clone that's been stuffed away for about a hundred episodes, this issue might, must have seemed very normal because reading this felt like reading a Superior Spider Man issue. Yes, but I would only agree with you if I was the clone, Dan. Oh, is that how it works? The clone is the one that's agree with me all this time. Yes, because I have I have the memories. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is all very confusing. But let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 18. Righty, Rudan. So um, we were promised the return of Doctor. I almost called him Mister, and I probably would have been yelled at for that. Doctor Otto Octavius uh, in this issue, and um, while well, did we did get his doctorate in, do we know? Is it like like is thought, he like a mech e guy? Well, I thought he was like evil medical school. I mean, you know, is that where? <laughs> um, but um, could he yeah. open you up and like remove your spleen? Like, does he have that ability? I, he 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 can he can check you for for measles and strep throat. I think. Okay. He's a, right. he's a, he's a, he's an internist. He's a pediatrician. Uh, there you go. 
Um, but anyway, wow, this is this is a tangent in the opening sentence, Dan. This is, a, or I think, a record for tangents. Um, but yeah, so um, while we didn't get that kind of vintage Doc Ock and the tentacles and whatnot in this issue, um, he was there in all of his smug, arrogant glory. Um, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of fun today. Uh, kind of fun today. Kind of fun, right? I mean, what, what, what were, what were your overall initial thoughts on this? Well, you know, like you read the opening page or whatever, and you're just getting these text boxes from from Otto's perspective. You, the voice is immediately recognizable, and I thought, oh yeah, this is this is very familiar, and I remember loving this, and uh, and I think, you know what, this is a great issue, and I, I think even better, we didn't get another appearance from like the Jackal and someone coming back to life. It was just something completely different. And not a rehash of what we were getting before, although with a little bit of a rehash. Yeah, I mean, th- there was certainly a, a fair amount of recapping uh, in this, both from the end of Superior and then also from Spider Verse. But um, I don't know, like I, I, I didn't find the exposition and, and catching up to be all that distracting. It kind of worked into the flow of the story because of, I, I, I do feel that this was well plotted in that regard where we kind of went from past to present, if you will, or, or, or present to past, I guess, um, kind of taking it from Doc's perspective. And along the way, while we were kind of recreating these older moments, we were getting new insights on them because of the little catch in that, you know, the, 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 the mind of, of Octavius that's, being narrated here it's it's this hundred days of the future from where he was in spider-verse so he has not actually experienced the end of superior spider-man when he yields his body back to peter so it's it's you know kind of getting that wrinkle i think makes this feel new because it's like yes it's these are events we've seen before but they're through the lens of almost a different character and a lot of these events we actually have not seen before. That we just kind of surmised, like how they happened, right? And we've known that Doc Ock has been in the living brain since the beginning of this volume, but we have not really known exactly how that happened uh, quite yet. There was a sequence that I think I don't know if it's been forgotten by the series, but we've not really returned to it, where Anna Maria um, and Sajani kind of embarked on. Um, starting up Doc Ock's nanotechnology program behind Peter's back. Um, and I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. And I guess, you know, for me, I, I guess that maybe it had something to do with that, um, you know, and the gauntlets that got him into the living brain. But here we kind of see something completely different. Um, so it's not like shocking stuff, but it is a nice, you know, kind of uh, a viewpoint into this. And I, and I guess the question I want to ask you, Mark, is because it's something that I was weighing, and when I was writing my review, is I can understand Dan Slott's desire to tell this story in one contained book where we can kind of get the full background leading up to the end of this story where, um, you know, Otto takes action as a living brain to try to kind of change his fate, get back into Peter's body or get into someone else's body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I also was thinking I would have loved to have this information and a lot of the information contained in this story all throughout this series um, because it would have kind of 
filled in a lot of the questions that we've had ever since this volume began. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially since, you know, a lot of the holes uh, that we found in the storytelling, um, you know, were kind of explained in this issue as, you know, Otto controlling the living brain and, and manipulating things in a certain way. And, and, and it's like, there's no reason why we couldn't have seen that happening in real time. You know what I mean? Like when Sinjani got fired or, or, you know, some of, some of how he guided Peter Parker to do things in a way where the business would continue to be successful and things like that. Um, you know, because especially, especially the success of Parker industries. I mean, we, we, we've been kind of hungering for that. I mean, this new status quo has now been going for about a year now. And, and this is the first, real sense of okay this is what happened in those eight months i guess you know or whatever since secret wars ended um so you know the zodiac guy you know he hinted at there being like a magic day that the stocks suddenly changed you know right we've not known why that magic day happened and want us to assume i guess now that Otto was behind that yeah, but no, I I I I I agree wholeheartedly with you in that this is this is information that I think it's 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 sensible, it's logical, you know, like I have no issues with the information itself, but um, you know, maybe if we used it earlier, it would have made other stories, earlier stories a little more enjoyable. Like I I like, you know, Dan Slot talks all you know, we and we talk about it a lot on this podcast, the long game, the long game. And and you know, this is certainly an example of the long game, but you know, is it truly the long game in that you're you're you, you yes, you may know what the you may know what your idea is and how you're gonna pay things off in your head two years in advance, but if you're not actually servicing the text with 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 these ideas to kind of build to it what what is that truly playing the long game i don't know what do you think about that dan yeah i i agree and i i I think for me the big thing is it goes back to that like old hitchcock the bomb under the table thing do you know this story no i don't so albert hitchcock you know he talked about you know how do you create suspense versus surprise and he said you know if we're watching a movie and there's a room full of people that are talking about baseball and then suddenly a bomb goes off, there's no suspense there. It's just surprise and surprise is short-lived and ultimately not very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to do the same you know, scene with a bomb under the table and people talking about baseball, but you were to tell the audience and show them the bomb – And the conversation about baseball takes on a whole different meaning because then you're terrified of this bomb going off and that these people aren't realizing that it's under there. And that's a real, like, distinct difference in storytelling. And and Hitchcock argues that knowing that the bomb is there is always better. And and I think here it's great to learn that Otto is manipulating this stuff, but it doesn't really, like, it doesn't pay off anything. It doesn't, like, you don't get, like, a sense of like satisfaction or thrill by learning that because it's already kind of happened. But if we were to watch this going along, the threat of auto would be um, all the more interesting because we don't know what he's going to do next, you know, like, and we know that he's, you know, playing this game against Peter instead of just being the work click ick. Would you like a drink robot the whole time? Right. Um, Tasty beverage. 
Would you like a tasty beverage? No, I mean, and and I'm glad that you you explained what you were talking about with that because that's 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 actually a really perfect encapsulation of what we're dealing with here. I mean, it, it, even even the sheer like, I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, upon reading this comic, you know, just the mere suggestion from Otto's character that he was going to attempt to swap minds and bodies again with Peter it kind of got me like very tense because it was like, Oh man, you know, we're, we're going down this, down this rabbit hole again. And like, you know, it maybe you know, maybe even just that was in the background over the last 18 issues, you know, like that, that these things were, you know, it's like, yes, we knew that Otto was lurking in the living brain since the beginning of this arc, but like, we didn't really know what he was doing and, and just showing him, wasn't creating drama it was just like you said it was it was the it was the bomb just going off there was no we <laughs> like like you know show if if we had seen him manipulating or, or plotting and and whatnot like in a real tangible way i think you know it would have made when he finally started to make his move in this issue we'd be like oh crap now it's hap- it's finally happening it's finally happening you know what i mean so i, I mean, don't if know. you literally took the scene of aiden out of this issue and put it in a different issue, that would have been terrifying. Yes. Uh, like, or like someone walks into a room and Aiden is passed out and there's these weird devices hooked up to his head. And it's like, who is doing this? I would have been like, oh no. <laughs> like, that would have been freaky. Uh, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just think like this is a really solid issue and it does all the things I've wanted. But I, I think it's a real missed opportunity on, uh, you know, the, on the behalf of the you know, previous issues. Yeah. Now, with all that said, in terms of construction, I, I, you know, just to kind of get back to expressing enjoyment for this comic, um, I, I think it needs to be stated plainly that Dan Slott writes a hell of an Otto Octavius, right? Yeah, I, I would say the best Otto Octavius. Like it's just I you know I I enjoy this character and, and and not for nothing I enjoy specifically this version of it and and you know like I couldn't help but but when reading this think back to to how Superior ended and our dissatisfaction with that because Otto kind of just gave up and even even his character here kind of seems incredulous to that and and you know it made me think again kind of your bomb analogy with, you know, the Hitchcock bomb analogy. I mean, when superior ended, um, like, I don't know if that turn of character truly felt earned in the moment two year, two and a half years ago when it happened, but like this actually kind of put it in better context and made it make more sense as to why Otto would dare to do that. But um, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? You know what I mean? Like in terms of why he would yield his body, like, um, we didn't really get that in real time, but like in, in final flashing back, we, you know, we kind of got more context given to it and it made sense. And, and, and again, it was like, all right, like given the character we got through the first 20 something issues, the superior, I buy it now, but I didn't then, you know, what made you buy it? From from this book in particular, because I don't know that I feel that way, and I'm curious to dive more into this. I I, I guess I liked the little bit of exposition we got, where Otto more or less said like, because he still had Peter's memories, 
that is what weakened him intellectually and, and, and emotionally enough to think it would be possible to yield the body back. You know what I mean? Like that, to me, that was never clear. Like, like, like to me, it felt like in the original story that, well, first of all, we had to wrap the story up because we had to wrap it up. But on top of that, like, I, I, I truly felt that slot changed how he wrote Otto, not because of some kind of natural evolution of the character, but because the character was becoming popular and he couldn't keep being the smug, arrogant guy that you wanted to punch in the face, even though he was Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on, on that point. I mean, you know, for me, I, I thought this issue was interesting just because, and like, like, I think I was the one to turn even earlier on the ending of Superior than you um, towards like not really buying it. Um, not like it's a, this is a contest or anything, but like I definitely did not buy that ending. But what I liked about this story, even if I didn't buy that ending, is that we are getting an auto before his you know maturation, and 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 not just because I enjoy reading that auto more, but also because I think that's a really interesting place to reintroduce auto, you know, back into the Spider-Man mythos because I think. You know, may, maybe that change is still possible for him um, because this auto technically will still have Peter's memories, uh, mm. you know, in him. He knows Peter's identity. He knows everything about Peter's life. And so whatever auto we get back out of this is going to be that, like, auto whose last memory of being a superior Spider-Man is getting beat up by Spider-Man in Spider-Verse. Yeah. You know? And... Like that's interesting to me um, that like it's going to re- see – we get to see from here on out how – you know, it's that nature versus nurture thing. You know, like will he be capable of becoming a good person like the other one was even if we didn't buy that or will this new series of events, uh, you know, further drive him to his madness, you know, uh, I think it's interesting, and I've read that people are like complaining, like, "Oh, they undid Superior Spider-Man by bringing him back without that change." And I think, no, that's great because then that story gets to just exist on its own out there, you know, and be what it is. And now we can tell a new story with this character. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and again, I mean, I hate to be someone who thinks a character should be stagnant, but the change just didn't interest me, and I think. You know, just to kind of, you know, I know we said we're not in a contest here, but I think part of the reason why I was initially a little more open open to the last few issues of Superior was because I kind of, you know, especially the way the, the penultimate issue ended, I, I, I was operating under the assumption that in that final issue, this this character, the one we're seeing in, in, in this issue of Amazing Spider-Man, would rear his ugly head one more time because I was just like, it's not, you know, like, how could this character be completely gone? You know what I mean? Like, is he, he's either going to make one more play to do it or he's going to come back in some way. I, I don't know. I didn't know exactly how it was going to be, but I I, I I, I, feel that this version of this character is so excellently written and entertaining to read about that I was like, okay, we're going to get to this guy again instead of this boring like almost indecisive, panicked. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if that was growth as a character for me. What we saw at the end of Superior, you know, like in Goblin Nation, it just felt like 
a very hard right turn for a character. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm I'm really curious, you know, if he still has Peter's memories. You know, that changed Otto in a certain way. He wanted to be a hero, whatever that means, you know. Yeah. Him. Are we going to get an Otto that is no longer this world-conquering, you know, kind of guy? Is he going to be more of an anti-hero moving forward um, like he was during Superior? Are we going to get Chubby Otto, you know – Building Autobots, you know, uh, and patrolling the streets of New York, you know, with uh, a harsh vengeance, you know. Yeah, uh, no. that would be interesting to me. It remains to, remains to be seen. Now, the 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 other character who we got some more context for about the last X number of months, years, whatever, however you want to define the timeline, is um, Anna Maria. Um, what did you think about some of her bits in this story? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's like what you and I have been waiting for since, I think, issue two of volume three. You know, like that was the last time we really checked in with Anna to figure out, like, what her mindset was. And ever since, we've, she's kind of just been on autopilot. She's hanging around Peter for some reason. And maybe not even just for some reason for, for her, like, you know, professional life. And we saw that brief glimpse where, you know, it seemed like she. You know, she still adored Otto's, you know, brain for his scientific endeavors with his nanotechnology. But what what was her feeling about the man, her experience, and her relationship with Peter Parker right now? I've been totally unclear on it, and I think this issue finally clears all that up. Yeah, and and you know, I think like not for nothing, this also gave a little more insight into just her relationship straight up one-on-one with Peter. I mean, it's, it's still very complicated because of everything that's gone on, but like she, I, I don't know, maybe I'm overreading or misreading, but I, she does seem to have a sense of affection for Peter as a person like Peter Parker, Peter, not Otto Peter. Right. Yeah. I think she cares about his well being. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean affection like love. I just yeah. mean like, like, like she, she, you know, like, there was a point, especially when, you know, the scene that you talked about earlier and that, you know, we never really got closure on her and Sanjani kind of going behind his back where you're almost wondering, like, not do they respect Peter because I think you can like Peter and not respect him the way he gets written sometimes. Um, but at the same token, like, there there was question. I, I questioned, do they even like this guy? You know what I mean? Like, like Peter's not a bad person, you know, and she's got to know he's not a bad person. You know what I mean? So, um, I, yeah, I, it was just nice to kind of get that sense of her, I don't know, having some semblance of positive feeling for Peter. I, 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 I felt that that relationship needed something like that because it just kind of felt like, these were just people on a page who were there because they needed to be there per the story, but not because in real life they would actually be there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to pin a tag on this comic that just says, great, but late. You know, like this, yeah. this is another thing I would have loved 20 issues ago. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you know, and again, we kind of, you know, you were talking about issue two of volume three. And I think of the whole volume three of that first 
arc that was probably our favorite issue of the arc because it looked like all right we're gonna get into this you know what i mean like we're gonna start talking about real things here and then it became you know evil black cat and electro and his girlfriend and all this other kind of stuff so um, i mean it took the return of Otto to some extent and we don't really have him back you know i've seen all these press headlines the return of Otto octavius in the pages of spider-man it's like well Really, the status quo hasn't changed all that much by this issue. We just kind of know where he's at and what his goals are. Uh, but it took the return of him to actually really kind of acknowledge any of the events of Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do feel kind of in the final few sequences of this comic, you know, Otto via the living brain was really used well both textually and visually um you know like i i really enjoyed the fight sequence and how that was rendered by rb silva but i also just kind of liked that there was like that lead up to the fight where you know anna maria kind of temporarily shuts him down and like what does otto say he's like it's like being in the void or something like that like it was a very dramatic but like pointed and and it felt authentic and real like reaction from otto you know like a guy who speaks very hyperbolically but it felt it felt real to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes you kind of sympathetic for him, like or, or like least curious what that feeling is like. And and it's, it's moments like that, like it's a little poetic there, you know. Like that's a that's a nice story flourish that didn't have anything to do with the plot really, but it has everything to do with where this character's head is at, you know. Yeah, it just it fuels his his desperation and why he's you know he's. You know, he's now making his move. I mean, like to have that kind of blackness, that void. I, I mean, it was it was a well written bit, and then the, and like I said, the fight I thought was was well rendered as well. Oh, absolutely! That beautiful splash page of the uh, living brain exploding. Yes, that was great. Um, I wanted to ask: Do you think the dance slot um, when writing this? And I don't want to like guess where his mind was at, but to me, this really. <laughs> felt um, similar to Amazing Spider-Man 700 in its construction, you know, that the kind of, you know, escape the body drama, you know. Right. Uh, it didn't feel like, I guess, thematically similar, and I didn't think it was near, quite nearly as tense as that issue. But I really enjoyed the kind of mechanics of everything. The sequence with Aiden, to me, I thought was hilarious, Yes. Really fun to read, and uh, and I, uh, overall, I think that's true of this whole issue. It was a nice balance of like comedy and pathos and character work, and and kind of the best stuff the dance lot does when he's like on fire. Yeah, and dark comedy. I think that's a, that's an important kind of note because it's not like I think dance lot kind of goes off the rails a little bit when he tries to do more traditional slapstick, but like kind of like I don't know if dark is the word, but like kind of twisted you know what i mean like superior was twistedly funny i think that's why we liked it so much it was not you know it was not what you normally would expect and i and and um this definitely had those elements um you know i don't know if i see quite as many parallels to 700 as kind of what you're inferring but i mean yeah i mean it's 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 like that that you know again because because you you're dealing with a character, even though we haven't seen this character in a while, like 
he's he's well formed enough and well written enough where we care, you know, whether we care because he's a good person or a bad person, it doesn't make a difference. We care about this character and we care about what he's doing, what he's trying to do, what he's thinking, what he's feeling. And, and, you know, I think, I think if anything, that's just why, you know, that's where the parallels to 700 come is because, you know, we're invested in the drama, whereas we're not, we have not always been invested in the drama of the last two years or so of the series. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Yeah. I was halfway hoping that, that they would switch brains again because that would have been a real right turn. Like oh, we're going God. into clone conspiracy with a superior Spider-Man. Like I would never have guessed that. I was like, is this going to like, is it, is Aiden going to be Ock? Like I had no idea. And that was really exciting to me because then the, the artwork that we've seen from clone conspiracy would have been a lie, and that would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the very end? Because I thought it was kind of a cheat that he blew himself up as the living brain, uh, whether intentional or not. And I, I guess it wasn't because they kind of activated his self-destruct. Um, but he still got away in the gauntlet. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cheat. Yeah. I mean... That's comics. I don't know. <laughs> I, but like he goes about setting up earlier in the issue that the gauntlet – he needs to get out of the gauntlet because he has a very limited time he can stay in the gauntlet, right? Right. So yeah. that's why he gets into the living brain somehow. And then suddenly did he make a backup copy of a backup copy in the gauntlet? Was it the other gauntlet which had Anna Maria like her brain patterns in it or whatever? Like what? Like, I, where did this gauntlet come from? I mean, I, I'll buy that random spider legs come out of the gauntlet, but I'm not going to buy because who cares? But like, why did this maybe maybe may, are you saying there are an infinite number of gauntlets, Dan? Oh God, <laughs> I did not know where you're going with that. The minute you said it, uh, pure eye roll. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just I just thought it was odd that he would go out of his way to set up that the gauntlet like was going to die only to be like, nope, that's my cheat. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's like, don't step on your own foot here within the same issue. But, uh, right. okay. So back to positives, let's talk about the artwork here. We've talked about it a little bit, but I really want to get into it because I think this guy, Arby Silva is dubomb.com. If I, if I may. Wow. I mean, I don't even know what to make of that, that, that analysis, but um, I will say that I, I I do agree that he's a really good artist. Um, I mean, you know, like no disrespect to Giuseppe Camacoli, but like I, you know, like I I I I kind of feel that I was I'm I was feeling the need for something new on this book again. You know what I mean? And maybe R.B. Silva was it, but it sounds like this this is is are we going to get one more issue with him or is this no, it? No, this is it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Camo is great, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I like there's this. This seemed to be a little more kinetic energy to what Silva was doing, you know. And and you know, we'll, we're going to talk about this next week. But I mean, I, I kind of felt the same about Travel Foreman, you know, over on the Civil War Spider-Man series. Like, I, I, there's there's just something very static about Kamakoli's art, and you know, whereas I felt like he was really kind of 
taking things to unique lengths towards the end of superior. And even at points in spider verse, you know, outside of like the occasional, like, Oh, that's a really cool, like contraption or invention that he's drawing. Like his, his character interplay feels very stilted. And this, you know, this is more or less an entirely character driven story. This wasn't about, tech and doodads and fancy cars and helicopters you know this was these were people talking and fighting and then talking some more and and i thought it was very dynamic and very very filled with urgency and motion and 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 the need to be moving and reading as you go yeah and i looking back on my feelings about these books i found myself much more positive about dan slot's writing in all the books that aren't drawn by common coley i mean even spider verse we were hot on the first couple issues and then camo took over and we got cold and we've been you know we've been attributing that to to slot but i just wonder if that you know there's a pacing thing going on in the artwork um that's just slot just works better in, in other in other places than what he's getting provided by common coley and uh I don't know. I don't know because I'm not, you know, a part of the behind the scenes process. One can truly never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only the only the only counter I would have with that was, you know, I was kind of nonplussed with a lot of the Ramos stuff we got in Volume Three. I mean, like I was. I mean, I like Ramos a lot, but I, I felt, you know, we needed to move on creatively from him in Volume Three, and and you know. I think that that you know I, I wasn't engaged by the storytelling between the two of them there, and you know Slot and Ramos in earlier issues kind of almost felt symbiotic. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I like I like this Silva guy, like because his stuff it's reminiscent of Ramos, but it's not as loose as his work. Like there's a real grounded nature to it, kind of like a, somewhere in between Ramos and like Stefano Caselli's work. Caselli, yeah, yeah that, that's I was I just gonna say. Yeah, I agree. Um, do we want to get to grades? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to give this one a B plus. You know what, Dan? I was I was originally going to go a notch below you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be similar to you and say B plus. I I I enjoyed this a lot. This was probably my favorite individual issue of Amazing in a while. So and and I've been liking the last few issues. So you know we're on a good we're on a good streak here. let's just hope this keeps going i'm digging this book i'm excited about it again yeah i mean we'll see i mean there i still have some reservations about what the ultimate direction for um dead no more clone conspiracy whatever you want to call it will be um but these prologue chapters have definitely been a highlight yeah, I'm I'm gonna go an issue at a time here, Mark. I'm yeah. not looking forward, I'm not looking back. I'm just gonna see how it hits me at the moment. And right now I'm feeling good about this book. Life is a highway and you're gonna ride it all night long, huh? Yeah, yeah, and that's a perfect transition. Let's take an exit from the highway into comments and emails. Awful. Awful. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, Dan, thanks to your awful transition, I can now remind everyone that they can always email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com or tweet at us on the Twitter uh, with the hashtag okay to print. Um, you could also leave us a voicemail at uh, 9 Red Goblin. Um, but where do we want to start? We want to start with some email, Dan? Yeah, we got an email from Brian Huberty. Do you want to read it, Mark? Yeah, uh, Brian says that uh, he still loves our essentials. Uh, do, still loves them. I mean, I, did, 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 were we, did we recently question if people still loved it or not, Dan? Or uh... I don't know. It's just good to know. He's still in love with them. Brian okay. is on board, even He's though we're 20-some um, in. Yeah, well, he, well, Brian adds, too, in addition to loving it, that uh, he, he finds it more fun when we kind of reach – for uh, a story or an arc that that we defend and argue over, and you know, I, I I tend to agree with that, Dan. I mean, not that I don't like talking about the the obvious classics, but I think some of our better episodes have been along the lines of Marvel Two and One Annual, or Web <laughs> of Death, Web <laughs> of Death, or what was the the If This Be Monsters, or oh, um, yeah, Here There Be Monsters, <laughs> Here There Be Monsters, Spectacular Spider Man Fourteen, I believe. Yes, yes. Um, but Brian also says he, I uh, just read AVX, uh, which was okay, but he, uh, really enjoyed the great Spidey beatdown underdog scene. I'm assuming he's talking about the, the, I think it's AVX eight or nine. I did, uh, that was in one of my Spider-Man X or mutant storyline list. And which if you're still throwing links in, you can do that right here. Um, and, um, he wanted to know if, um, if there are any other, good spider-man as an avenger story uh since bendis added him uh he hasn't read that much um so he didn't know what might have been memorable or not um spider-man as an avenger what what are some of the better stories dan do you want to take a stab at this first or um do you want I mean, me when to i think fr- of spidey and the avengers i think of spider-man not as an avenger stories that i really enjoy like right. you know, specifically the annual number three uh, yes, where he tries to become an Avenger and they oh, and, flat out reject him. And there's a two-parter by Roger Stern on on the in the Avenger series proper from the '80s, which is fantastic to me. That's my, you know, if if I had a better mind, Dan, I might throw that as an essential as a kind of my counter to. But I, I have my Spider-Man Avenger story with the Marvel two and one, so I, I, I guess I can't milk that too much. Yeah, uh, I think New Avengers Breakout is not bad. I wouldn't. I don't think it's only a spidey story but that's a great story with him on the team and there's a lot of spidey's rogue galleries and rogues gallery in that with uh like carnage getting torn apart in outer space in electro being yeah yeah so yeah and i mean that does have one of my favorite little bits i mean we kind of have two bits between spidey and captain america i mean first there's like cap kind of reaching down and pulling him out of the you know when they're when the raft is under siege um, but then there's that other thing where like he's recruiting Spider-Man and Peter is telling him, you know, I'm a loner and, and Cap is like, how's that loner thing working out for you? And it's like, yeah, you know, like this is to me, that's like, that's the, that's the line that finally makes Spidey really, truly consider being an Avenger, you know, like, like to kind of flip the idea of him being a loner on its head. Um, but you know that's that's fun. I I I I couldn't for the life of you remember the full arc, but I did like um, there was a, a new Avenger issue somewhere in the fifties, I think, where he unmasks for all of them and like recognizes Jessica Jones from high school, um, you know, as Coma Girl, 
which I thought was fun. Um, <laughs> you know, do you know which issue I'm talking about, Dan? I, I do not know the number of that one. Yeah. Um, you know, and that kind of like also establishes Jessica Jones as part of Peter's orbit, which I think is just a fun little, you know, Jessica Jones, of course, is a Bendis creation. Uh, so of course he would work him into, work her into Spider-Man. Uh, so, you, you know, we've never really discussed, there's that really weird arc with, uh, when, uh, JMS and Mike Diodato were on the book where yeah. like there's the Spidey versus Hydra thing. It's when he's living in the yeah. Avengers Tower. We've yes. not really discussed that era of the comic because uh, we've discussed everything from JMS around it. And like to me, like I thought that was like a really bad pairing of artist and writer. And maybe it was just that like uh, JMS was getting like he'd been on the book too long. Um, yeah, well, well, you know, it seemed like once Ramita left the book, JMS kind of got into, you know, he'll, what he'll claim, of course, was that it was event mode. Uh, you know, everything was being driven by events. But um, regardless, it wasn't some of his most inspired work, I wouldn't say. Like you know? the new Molten Man and, and stuff like that. That's not the Molten Man. Uh, right. Oh, you're talking about... Story. Oh, the the guy with the with the no skin or something like that, or it's skin like deep. Form, yeah, skin deep. His like former classmate that has like a chemical spilled on him and holds yeah. vengeance his whole life against Peter. And it's like, isn't this the Molten Man story basically? And, and Uncle Ben becomes like a killer marine, doesn't he? Like, isn't there like a flashback sequence where like you know the bullies come to the house and Uncle Ben is like, I'm gonna break your neck or something like that? I was like, whoa, that's not Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Like Uncle Ben would be in the garden, like flat, you know, pruning flowers or something, not like threatening to like snap a guy's foot from his time in the Marines or something. But you know, like you, I think you know, there's a reference to that because I've been reading the uh, the spider fly effect that uh, oh. that Infinite comic uh, by Robbie Rodriguez, not Rob Rodriguez, Robbie Thompson. Too many yeah. Robbies. Yeah. Um, where he and Silk go back and they team up with Uncle Ben in the past. Yeah. It's all kinds of silly. Uh, they actually end up attending the science exhibit where they both got bit by a spider okay. and end up performing the science experiment that causes them to get – it's complicated. But uh, <laughs> they, there's, a re- there's a reference to Uncle Ben as a Marine and his like tough-as-nails tactics. Yeah, I to me like that's starting to betray the character a little bit. I don't uh, know. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I th- it, you know that now you're just confusing him with like Alfred in like you know the Earth One universe or something. You know what I mean? Like Batman's Alfred. I mean, <laughs> can't we leave uh, Dead Enough alone? I know, right? No, that's the whole point of Dead No More, Dan. We I'm more okay with enough. that than like. Inventing crazy backstories about Uncle Ben, but that's why we have a crazy segment at the end of our show for that. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, what, let's let's keep moving through because we got some uh, one more comment on Twitter and some really fun voicemails here. Um, so uh, Seth on Twitter, he he he's been doing some counting and he believes we're uh, at uh, issue Amazing Spider-Man seven seventy five. Um, and he, of course, asked, do we think we'll see an 800th issue if we reach that point? Um, the 775, is that counting superior? And do you count superior if if you're Marvel? Yeah, I think that's counting superior. I don't know. Does superior count, though, Dan? It's not amazing. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends on who you are because you look at the ultimate comics and they counted just about every appearance of that character to get the 200. Right. Um, which, which to me betrays the whole point of the numbering system. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, what are we going to start? And, and I'm, I'm going to really piss you off in three and a half seconds. And what were you doing? Like, we're going to start counting annuals. Cause you know, there's been about 40 annuals. So why don't we just add 40 to it? You know what I mean? Well, like, even I'm against that as much as annuals count, they don't count towards that numbering. And do these, you know, do these point ones count or what? You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't think they count either. Um, what about even like, well, no, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say, what about even like the point ones, like six seventy eight point one or something? That doesn't count, right? I mean, or well, does renew your vows count? No, I, I well, it, it can't. It's its own series. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. I agree. So then maybe we remove uh, superior. But so let's get to the broader question, which is, I think right. in general. Regardless of the numbering, do you think if when we hit 800, however they're counting it, that they will revert to 800 or do the thing that they did in Volume 2 where they do the split numbering? I don't think they're going to do like a countdown to 800 a la like what they did with Volume 2. Right? But, I, but I do think whenever they determine the 800th issue of Amazing Spider-Man will publish, it will be published as ASM 800. Because we've kind of seen that with... Um, with Captain Marvel recently, I think we saw that with um, Guardians of the Galaxy recently. Even where Deadpool. Yep, Deadpool. Um, you know, then Marvel is not going to let an opportunity for a centennial issue go by uh, without acknowledging it. But I don't think it's going to like revert back to legacy number numbering or even like acknowledge it beyond the month that issue publishes. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, and I think I'm there with you. I mean, I would love to see, like, a split numbering system just because it would be fun to see what the number is at. But I I don't think that Marvel wants to muddy the waters in that way again. And I think, you know. Are, yeah, this is the era of comic – think of comics. And we've said this before. Think of comics as TV seasons. You know, volume, volume three is season three. Volume four is season four. You know, when um, – when they decide eventually to reboot again, I, I probably at the end of Dead No More, it's going to be season five. You know what I mean? Like it's just – that's just the way now. You know, like – Now, do you think that they keep the numbering the way it is now, uh, the way it is uh, as we approach 800? Like do you think we're going to get up to like issue 40-something and then use 800 as the relaunch point? Or do you think we have a relaunch in between then and now? So much is relaunching over the next couple of months. I just can't see how ASM is in the 30s or 40s or 50s even and and all these other books are in like 1 through 10. You know what I mean? Right. So like so March – come March next year at the end of the clone conspiracy, we're going to be in volume 5. I think – I think we will be gearing up for that. I mean maybe there's like one more kind of finishing arc – Kind of like what we got before Secret Wars, you know what I mean? Like we had we had Spider Verse, and then we kind of got that three parter with the Ghost and Parker Industries. Um, like I wouldn't be surprised if we got maybe one more arc beyond that, but I, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say probably sometime in the spring we're just, gonna get just it. Saying gonna... the words Volume Five makes my brain like kind of vomit a little bit. Well, what volume are we on with like the Avengers? That's gotta be because they were in. 
volume three by the 90s so i mean like they gotta be in like volume seven or eight right now well it you know depends what I mean? on what you're counting are you counting new avengers mighty avengers there was no avengers title at that time was there That's, no you're right you're right so it might not be as high as you think well anywho um so that's it that's a good question um so dan who's who's been calling us lately i don't know let's have a listen to the first one Hello, Mark and Dan. It's your old friend, the Red Goblin. I think we got off on the wrong foot. I spoke with my lawyers, and apparently I have no legal claim to the 9 Red Goblin phone number, which is unfortunate because I would like to use it for my new podcast, The Red Goblin Makes the Quintessential Quiche. So, maybe we can come to some type of agreement. Maybe I can cut you some promos and uh, recommend you around the Internet, and you can let me use my phone number? Maybe. um, I don't know. So I will have my people call yours, and we'll touch base. Thanks again. Mark, we often talk about breakfast on this show, and, uh, you know, the Red Goblin, nice to hear from you again. I'm glad you've kind of seen the error of your ways, even if it is to beg us for use of that number. Uh, but I am genuinely curious about his uh, his quintessential quiche podcast series. How long can you keep that going? So I guess, Red Goblin, once you get that podcast up and running, let us know, and I guess we can negotiate the phone number and things like that. All I know, Dan, is his quintessential quiche, if you will, better not have Irish ham in it or Irish bacon, okay? <laughs> I thought it was Canadian bacon you didn't like. Whatever, man. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're you are very like nationalistic about American bacon. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I, I let's let's get Swarman to find out what he's nationalistic about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I I I'm just glad that Red Goblin is kind of simmered down. I mean, I guess a talk with a lawyer will do that to you, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. We didn't even have to hire hours. No, oh, no, no. But um, yeah. So you got some good, good legal advice there, Red Goblin. Um, uh, this this next uh, voicemail is from friend of the show, uh, Elliot. Um, who who um, I I sort of kind of had a encounter with via a third party recently. Uh, apparently, someone who knows Elliot um, talked to my wife in a restaurant. Not not in a bad way. Uh, so, um, so uh, hi, Elliot. Um, thanks, thanks for calling in again. Let's hear what Elliot's got to say. Hey, Amazing Spider Talk. It's Elliot. Uh, I was just listening to the episode where you were talking about Kenny Kong being in um, the uh, Star Brand and Night Mask series, and I thought it was interesting to note that uh, that series is written by Greg Wiseman, uh, the writer of Spectacular Spider-Man series, uh, but also that in Spectacular Spider as well, there as well, there as well, there as well. So I guess Greg Wiseman just has an affinity for that character, uh, and I think it's interesting that he was brought over to the 616. Uh, also, um, I saw Dan Slott at uh, a comic shop several months ago, uh, I think when uh, Remember Your Vows came out, and I thanked him uh, for including Clone Saga content in his book. And now we have Dead No More. So I'm going to take full credit for that if you guys are taking credit for things. Anyway, keep up the great work. I'm going to try and call in more. Bye, guys. Well, I imagine, Elliot, it was all you that, uh, that should take all the credit for Dead No More. 
Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, just give give Dan Slot an idea at a at a signing, and he's going to run with it. So <laughs> we need to give Dan Slot the idea to come on this show. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter was like, when I was talking to Dan Slot on Twitter again this week uh, regarding this issue. I wonder if I've been muted by Dan Slot. I know I haven't been blocked, but maybe 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 he mutes me. I don't know, man. <laughs> Why have you been tweeting at him? I tweet at him every once in a while, and I never get anything back from him. We have a rapport about me getting no prizes from him. But yeah. uh, then someone was like, "Hey, Dan and Dan, why don't why don't you come on the show and be the ultimate amazing friend?" And then he didn't respond. So of I'm course like, not. You know, how do we get this guy to come with everybody but you? Dan Slot and now Dan Slot. This is this is a weird issue we didn't bring up earlier. Has written one fifth of all issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, so I mean, it's a big hole in our in our interviewing. Uh, you know, thing. He's got to know about us. He's got to know that other people have been on the show. Come on, Dan. If you're listening, you got to come on. We're fair and we want to talk to you. Yeah. Well, you know, we haven't had Bendis either. I mean, I think has Bendis written more individual issues than Slot has? Uh, let's see. Um, I don't. Well, yeah, yeah, he has. Because uh, I mean, he's done what over two hundred issues of Ultimate, right? That's true. And then, like, 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 yeah. I mean, that alone is an, is more than Slot's done, right? Yeah, but I feel like I, Bendis is a lot harder to get than Slot because he's working in like. 10 different mediums at the same time. This is probably true, but you know, trust me. Like the, the, the few times I actually do get a response from Dan slot when I, you know, either ask about this show or even for other things I might be working on details to follow. Uh, I, I just get the sense that the man is drowning in work. So, um, uh, Maybe, 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 maybe the key is maybe the key is Nick Lowe, Dan. Maybe that's how we we get another step closer. All we're, right. We're, well, put a pin in that. And, yeah. Uh, let's yeah. see if we can get Nick Lowe to come on. There we go. I'm gonna work on that. All right. We got another voicemail from I would say more than a friend of the show. <laughs> uh, so let's listen to that one. Hey guys, this is Brian from the Ultimate Spin Podcast. I am playing a bit of catch-up and just heard your Essentials episode on Amazing Spider-Man number 248 and The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man, which is one of my favorite stories. Mark said that he'd be curious to hear from other parents, so I thought I'd reach out and give you my take. I thought it was interesting. Mark said that it was tough for him now that he's a dad to to go back and revisit this story. Uh, personally, that's not the case for me at all. Uh, my older son is nine, which is Tim's age in this story. And if anything, I find that, um, this little tale is even more enjoyable from the perspective, uh, of a parent. For me, the heart of this story was seeing Peter at his most selfless, going out of his way to extend the kindness to someone who desperately needed it. His words and actions are beautiful and moving and inspiring. And my wife and I are fortunate. We have two happy and healthy kids, but we do have uh, very dear and close friends who have experienced painful tragedies in their own parenting journeys, which gave us both a lot of perspective. Uh, not everyone gets dealt the same hand in life, and there's not a day that goes by where I don't reflect on that. And as such, I try every day to be the best possible person that I can be, some days going better than others. Like you and our fellow fans that listen to your show, I admire the character of Spider-Man because he's driven to do the right thing for the sake of it. 
We all get one shot at being here, and sadly, there are no guarantees in life. So what Peter does in this story is bold and heroic, but more importantly, it's kind and generous. And I, I just think, shouldn't we all aspire toward helping each other make the most of our time on the planet? Tim's situation is tragic, but as we see him in the story, he faces it with bravery. And Peter's sense of defeat at the end is lonely, raw, and real. And as you said, uh, captured beautifully by Ron Friends, just incredible artwork there. I didn't take away an emotional sucker punch at the end. Instead, I was reminded that Spider-Man, that Peter Parker, is truly one of the good guys and the kind of person that I'd like to be. It's a great show as always. Keep up the excellent work. Well, thanks for calling in, Brother Brian, if if you will. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm, I am glad to kind of hear the, the, the other end of the spectrum on that regarding Kid Who Collects. I mean, hearing hearing Brian's well-reasoned argument kind of in the pro thing of why, you know, having children has kind of enhanced the story for him. I mean, it, it's I, – I, I, res, I respect and, and see where he's coming from, but the same token, like, it doesn't necessarily change my stance on it, if that makes sense, Dan. But – um but yeah, I mean, it's still just difficult for me in that regard. And maybe it is just me. <laughs> maybe that's the moral of the story. It's just me. <laughs> well, I, you know, I wanted to play this not only because it was a great message, but like it's the kind of thing I love getting is feedback to our essentials. So, like, if you ever like listen to one of our essentials episodes and feel compelled, like Brian did, to kind of leave us a message about your thoughts on it, like. It's the kind of I love playing this stuff on the show, and it keeps the conversation going on longer. And uh, and someone like me who doesn't have kids, it's nice to hear you know uh, how this story might impact you because I couldn't possibly understand uh, uh, what it's like to have a child. No, but uh, yeah, I, thanks for calling in, Brian. But you have cats, Dan. I do, and they're my children. Yeah, don't be that person. Well, I let me tell you something. Pe- pe- people with human children kind of roll their eyes when people talk about their pets as their children but we love you anyway have some respect for me and my cats will do i I, i'm sorry i even brought it up Uh uh-oh dan looks pissed at me all right let's talk about spider news wait pause are you mad at me no (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh damn i didn't mean i hope i didn't cross the line (laughs) they're my babies mark and you will respect Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. All right, today, so with Spider-News, first a little bit from uh, the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. We we got uh, a first look at the shocker from this. Um, and, you know, this is this is going to be the shocker, which I kind of I kind of dig. I mean, we're not we're not playing games with this, right? Yeah, we know for a fact that he's in the movie, and I mean, how would you describe him? He looks like a a street thug in yellow pajamas. Well, yeah, but that's how would you describe the shocker that John Romita designed? Right, exactly. <laughs> no, but but this does it doesn't look like a like uniform per se, you know, in the way that like shocker looks like a supervillain, albeit in his yellow pajamas, uh, but like. To me, immediately this calls to mind the ultimate Spider-Man version of this character, even if he wasn't in yellow pajamas in that. But, like, the jacket, the 
Like, he just looks like a pushover. Right, right. Well, um, yeah, he, 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 I, I think that they're definitely playing up the, the, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very tertiary character. I don't think he's the, the main villain, but, uh, you know, he's probably going to be someone that we either get in an opening or closing scene that he stops, but, um, I can't imagine a character that looks like this would be like your big villain on a poster. (laughs) You know, like he doesn't look like he was dressed up, you know, to look really cool to be the villain of the movie. He looks like what the shocker should look like. And I think that's really reassuring. There you go. Yeah. Um, Now our second item, Dan, we got some new details from the Renew Your Vows series that's hitting uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, what, What do we get? Well, what's interesting to me about this is it doesn't really seem to be what people kind of thought it was going to be, which is just a, con- a continuation of that story from the Renew Your Vows series. Like this would be Re- Renew Your Vows number six, essentially, you know, just finishing that story. But it seems as though um, it's not taking place in the future like that story was. It's in the present day as if the events of that kind of happened like regent was a character and they defeated him but the way jerry conway talks about this is it's his alternate version of what one more day or what it would have been like if one more day never happened and peter and mary jane stayed a married couple and had a child um and i mean let's unbox that first uh we talked you know, a couple episodes ago about could this book outsell the main title, and now that we have this premise of this is as if one more day never happened, does that sweeten that deal even more, Mark? Well, we'll see. I mean, did, you know, I, I, I've been kind of going back and, and – you know, I, I I never read the full run of the of Tom DeFalco's Spider Girl, which you know, kind of in a lot of ways was like, a f- it was in the future, but it wasn't. You know, the way the book is written, it acknowledges the mainstream universe past of Spider Man. You know what I mean to a point. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, and that certainly wasn't that didn't outsell the main book. That's but, true. But then again. At that point, you still had a married Peter Parker. So, right. um, you know, was was the marriage the draw or was the child the draw? You know, I guess that was the the. So I don't know. I mean, it's an it, it is interesting that they're not just. I mean, at the same token, I do kind of feel like the Secret Wars universe was kind of. I don't know if there was much more story to be told from that. Yeah. So I mean, I think doing it the way they're doing it here opens up the avenues for more storytelling opportunities, right? Yeah, I, I think so, absolutely. And 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 both Stegman and Conway have said they're looking forward to kind of redesigning the villains to be more animalistic, which is interesting. And Jerry has said that he's very excited to be working in this kind of pocket universe because it allows him to basically do whatever he wants and take whatever risk he wants. Um, and he, he did express that writing the Spiral story, he felt a bit like hemmed in, but here he gets to kind of stretch his wings, which is exciting. But then that brings up another question. You know, we had Miles Morales make his way from the Ultimate Universe into the 616, and you and I have kind of both said that that series, like, at least to us, has really suffered 
because it, of its, it suffered the loss of its universe that made Miles special and interesting. You know, Miles is suddenly looking like this weird refugee that didn't need to have you know need to happen post Secret Wars. We're already creating whole new pocket universes. I don't know. I don't know if that's a negative or a positive per se. I mean, like I said, it just depends on depends on how the stories are told, Dan. I mean, you know, you tell good stories. I really don't care about the continuity or the pocket universes or whatever. I mean, you know, my issue with Miles to this point isn't so much that they brought him into the 616. It's that they're telling lousy stories with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of, one of the other interesting elements before we move on, I thought about this story, is that um, – you know, like, uh, you know, Peter and his daughter both have superpowers, but there's this interesting dynamic where Mary Jane retains that regent armor that she had uh, in Renew Your Vows. But this time she's siphoning power from Peter to power her suit. So when she gets powered up, it weakens Peter. And I think there's kind of an interesting element to that, although the kind of like broader like commentary on like – bringing my wife into battle weakens me kind of thing is not great. Uh, I think it's a cool dynamic for like a, a superhero couple uh, in the book. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still intrigued. I mean, we'll, we'll it, you know, again, to go back to your original question, Dan, I, I'm really going to be intrigued to see not only what this series does as a fan, but as kind of a critic and, a, and, a, and a, an observer, how others respond to it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. People are going to finally get what they've been clamoring for. Are they going to put their, you know, their money where their mouth, where their is, mouth and, is? Are they going to like what they're getting? Yeah. Um, and then kind of, I don't know if people have been clamoring for this per se, but, you know, our last little bit of news is that, you know, if you look ahead of the December solicits, it appears that, Spidey, which is, you know, kind of problematic. I mean, I dropped the book issues ago, Dan. I did, you're not still picking it up, are you? I think we dropped it about the same time. The Goblin story? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're, 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 the, the, the series is being canceled or, or at least hasn't been solicited for December. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see if there's something come January, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, like, you know... Dude, did we really need? I, I I understand why they did the series in terms of having a teenage Peter Parker when you got when that's what the movie is going to be. But you know, in the same universe right now, you have Miles Morales who's a teenager and Gwen who's like college age, and and you know you got stuff. In, I mean, Web Warriors is obviously canceled, but um, I don't know that it's just. It just can be can be scratched, and and you know the muddy continuity of Spidey didn't help it either. So I, I, you know you hate to see something fail, but I just I don't know again what exactly Marvel was ever truly going for with that outside of oh we need to get a teenage Peter Parker back. I mean it's like you know then do another Untold Tales of Spider Man. You know like like instead of some weird series that might be in another universe or might not be. <laughs> well, when their marketing couldn't even properly sell the book on what it actually was, I, I think you kind of saw the writing on the wall. It was like, oh, like you can't even describe to me what this is. How am I supposed to feel about this? And, 
you know, there's some good stuff in that series, and I look forward to checking out the issues that, like, I didn't buy on Marvel Unlimited when they come out because I've heard good things about them. And I, and I heard a lot of good things about this new artist on the book. But, um, I mean, I'm, it's sorry to see it go, I guess, you know, for people that were reading it, but I'm, not, I'm certainly not, like, weeping about it. Right. Well, I mean, and, and just to kind of jump to, like, other series in the Spider-Verse that have kind of taken, you know, that have kind of captured what I think Spidey was trying to go for but didn't quite get. I mean, you know, Dan, I, I talked to you lately about kind of binging on the Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane uh, series that ran in the in the mid-2000s. And I know you said you, you read a couple of issues or at least the first one, right? Um, I, I'm about five issues in and I'm, I'm really loving it. Yeah, and, and, and like to me, like, you know, if you want to like kind of do like John Hughes meets Spider-Man, that's kind of that series is the way to do it. And I feel like Spidey was kind of trying to go for that, but was missing something. It was, there was, there was an element, you know, maybe because it was still trying to be a traditional Spider-Man book, but just be more kind of youthful. But then again, what's ultimate there for, and you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like, like Spider-Man loves Mary Jane was literally like, no, we're going to make this a teenage soap opera where Mary Jane is actually the, the main character. And like a completely different viewpoint. And that's amazing. Unique. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Spider-Man is very tertiary. Although Peter ends up factoring, more as the series goes on spoiler alert um but how dare you mark i know i know right but it's it's you know like i said that's to me that's probably a that might be a book if they're trying to tie in a youthful spider-man book when the movie comes out next summer that might be a book they're looking to um resurrect or maybe collect in an omnibus or something because i i think there's going to be more synergy with a series like that in the movie than what Spidey was trying to do. Well, Mark, I guess we can say like, if you know, you're you know, a regular listener to the show, check out that book because we're looking to get the writer of that book on the show in the coming, you know, weeks. Yes. And, uh, if you know, if you've read that book, then you'll, you know, really probably dig on our episode. Yeah. Um, all right, Dan. So we, we've, we've, this is a, this has been a long episode. Let's get into our goodbyes. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Well, of course you can find all of our new amazing spider talk and old superior spider talk podcasts. We're at 131 of them now at uh, superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play and YouTube by searching for amazing spider talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. Yeah. And be sure to check out our brother, podcast the ultimate spin if you want to keep up with the adventures of miles morales and spider gwen stacy uh also uh dan uh, i recently saw that we launched our very first merch store with a bunch of new shirts and including the very first chasing amazing shirt um i know someone uh, a family member of mine who ordered a chasing amazing shirt uh he said he it came in the mail today as oh, we're recording cool. this and he's very impressed with it um, I might've picked up a couple of chasing amazing shirts too. Cause you know, gotta, gotta own the shirt. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, I, I bought several amazing spider talk products, uh, with our new amazing spider talk logo on them. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, so be sure to, you know, check out the links on, on superior com um, to, to get to that merch store. Cause, um, Find some cool stuff. Get some. Get yourself something. Get a friend something. You know. You never know what what a gift of a 
amazing spider talk or chasing amazing shirt or coffee mug or or whatever would, would do for someone it could it could change relationships well i like the chasing amazing shirt because it's all about like collecting every issue so if you're one of those people out there that's like doing what we did going on our amazing chase like it proudly proclaims that and and I don't know if you could see it in the design, Mark, but like in the letters Chasing Amazing, it's got the numbers for every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man in it. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a cool thing for, for people to, uh, to you know, look at when they're, when they're picking it up. So, uh, yeah, and, and we're going we're gonna to release all kinds of new designs in the future. I've got a couple of really cool ideas coming up. I bet you could probably guess some of them, a lot of our reoccurring jokes. Um, but yeah, keep your eyes out on that merch shirt. We'll let you know when new stuff comes up, but I'm really excited about it right now. And the shirts are pretty cheap, a lot cheaper than they were before when we did this. So, um, it's going to be a good partnership between us and T public. Awesome. All right, Dan. Um, so what are we going to be talking about next week? Yeah. Next week, we're going to be talking about amazing Spider-Man civil war two, that four issue miniseries, And, uh, you know, if you read your Mark's reviews, you'll know that he really dug it, and I can say I really dug it too. So if you haven't read those issues, I mean, I think we could say, like, blind buy, go buy those issues and, and join us for that conversation. Would you say that, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. So cool. We'll be talking about that next week. Uh, Mark, until then, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, well, well, well. Hopefully, either by the time this episode drops or immediately after, my I will finally have concluded my Spider-Man versus other people's villains series. Yay! Um, so that's of course found on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, um, and then you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASM Blog. And um, you know, I might I might be kind of scarce um, on the writings for uh, for Superior Spider Talk for the next couple of weeks following this um and then i will hopefully have a really cool announcement to explain why i've been absent so but that's all i will say for now but yes twitter of course you can find me and and you know i look at chasingamazingblog.com um for my old writings about my chase what about you dan uh yeah i hope people dig that announcement i think they're going to but we've been teasing it for quite a while yeah um well, now I'm just doing more teasing. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. And uh, again, like Mark said, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. There's so many great things there. We brought in a bunch of new, actually, people onto the team this week. So uh, get ready for some new ideas and, and new columns that should make it all kinds of exciting, even in Mark's absence. <laughs> I, I, I will be gone but not forgotten and, and I'm not you know, I'm still gonna be on the show obviously, so hopefully not really gone either. So And I think in the new year you'll be returning to creating listicles for us, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean again, not to overly tease, but you know, it's just this really cool thing that's coming that we'll hopefully, you know, be able to talk about in more detail soon. It's just very, very time consuming and you know, it's a question of either that or, or writing listicles for the next couple months and no offense Dan but I think this other thing is pretty cool and people will get more out of it too so I don't you know. I don't want you writing listicles in lieu of this other thing now we're being yeah. really bad okay, you know so Mark I, uh, you know a couple of weeks ago we learned that you were actually a clone for almost three years and that your real self has been living here in LA delivering pizzas in secret how has that changed you over the past week having any nightmares of turning into a pile of dust uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the night, the nightmares are the worst part. Um, but you know, it's, it's like, 
you know, I I kind of had this 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 flood of feelings the other day where like um, you know, my 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 awesome uncle Ben that we 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 always talk about on the show like you know, like I kept seeing him die all these different ways and and that was getting me to think like what if like how many different sets of memories have been implanted inside of me? I mean, you know, like like how many ways can one man's uncle die? I mean, we're talking about someone getting eaten by monkeys and someone getting shot by the mobs. So you think these are implanted memories that didn't actually happen? Yeah. So like how many clones of me are out there right now, Dan? This could be like maximum clonage, right? Um, And and, oh, oh, oh my God, Dan. Oh my God. There's like this big freaky guy who kind of looks like me walking through. Oh my God! He says his name is Mark Side. Oh, uh, uh, with great podcasts, must also come amazing fire talk.